We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of XL Church in IOM America. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrative videos, prayer, and weekly message. Psalm 22 verse 3 promises that God will be enthroned in the praises of His people. Hi, this is Don Moen, and I want to remind you as you listen to this tape that God inhabits the praises of His people. So as we praise Him, He will be in our midst to save, to heal, and to deliver. Let's worship Him together because He's worthy. you're good to us. You're worthy of our praise. Let's just sing it to you. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. Adore you. We lift up
Eschatology, Unfolding the Power of Prophecy. Welcome to our 220 Revelation series. Today we start on number 44. It's called The Woman Israel. The Bible warns that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling, according to Proverbs 16:18. The most notorious and tragic illustration of that principle, the one with the most far-reaching consequences, was Satan's prideful rebellion against God. By it, Lucifer, having fallen from heaven like lightning, according to Luke 10, verse 18, was cast down from his exalted position as the anointed cherub who covers. We can find more details about that in Ezekiel 28, verse 14. He fortified his place as the highest created being and became the supreme enemy of God. Satan's rebellion touched off a cosmic war throughout the universe, a war dwarfing any other war in human experience. Satan's war against God is a two-front war by leading a mutiny against God among the angels Satan attempted unsuccessfully to destroy the paradise in heaven by leading a mutiny against God among the men. Satan destroyed the earthly paradise of the Garden of Eden, plunged the whole human race into decay and corruption, and usurped, temporarily, the role of the ruler of this world. Find more about that in John chapter 12, verse 31. Then again in chapter 16, verse 11. Now the opening campaign of Satan's war of the ages took place in heaven. When he rebelled, one-third of the angels foolishly and wickedly cast their lots with him. None of them could have known what the eternal consequences of their choices would be. Wanting to be like God, they became much unlike God is possible. These fallen angels, or what we call demons, became Satan's storm troopers, doing the bidding of their own evil commander. They fight against divine purpose, making war with both the holy angels and the human race. There was an objective in all of what Satan was attempting to do and continues to attempt to do with the living God. Satan hates Israel, and he hates Israel because God has claimed Israel as his mother country. In our lesson today, we're going to be talking about the woman Israel. This woman figure of Israel gets replicated by some of Satan's satanic deceptions. One of them, as the book of Revelation references, is the great whore. Israel is a woman. God knows it. Jesus Christ knows it. The Holy Spirit knows it. And certainly now Satan knows it. This is where our final war is going to take place. Satan will do everything within his limited power to try to destroy her. 
Let's look at our passage for today. This is out of Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. So let's take a few moments and talk about the personage, the very first personage that is mentioned here. The first personage to be described is the woman of Revelation. She is being defined under extraordinary terms and manner. She's clothed in the sun as she stands upon the moon. Her headdress is a crown studded with twelve stars and is in tremendous pain and ready to give birth. To what exactly? Well, let's find out. Why would God use a parallel as this? The only way that we can come close to understanding this personage is to compare spiritual things with spiritual things. Allowing God's word to tell us what all of these supposed symbols mean. In the Greek, the word great is used five times in this chapter alone. It does appear that God is about to show us something great. Now, in talking about the woman Israel, the woman being presented here is not a heavenly figure. She's nothing short of being Israel. Suppose you recall in earlier studies of Genesis chapter 37, remember when Joseph had a dream about the sun, the moon, and stars bowing down to him? This was a prophetic Hebrew picture image of his soon experience being sold into Egypt's slavery by his brothers. It was also a picture of Joseph at the time being Israel. As he watched this story unfold, we learned that all the world, as it was during those days, had to bow down to Joseph. Israel is this woman who brought forth the man-child, who is to rule with a rod of iron. Israel is clothed with the sun, according to Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, and it says this, But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves, from the stall. The early church did not produce the world's savior. Israel did. I believe this is why there's so much talk in historical revisionism done over Israel's importance. Satan would like nothing more than to sell the world on the insignificance of Israel. And he is wrong. It is all about Israel and always has been. Let's look at the four women mentioned in the book of Revelation. We certainly do not want to confuse any of these four ladies. Number one, we have Jezebel mentioned in Revelation 2.20, representing the papal system of religiosity. 
Number two is Israel, and that's our passage today of Revelation 12, 1 and 2. The woman we now define in our passage. Number three is the harlot, according to Revelation 17, 1. Corrupt and apostate post-raptured church. And then number four is the bride, according to Revelation 19, 7. The bride of the Lamb of God who is the groom Jesus Christ. Those are our four ladies of Revelation. And looking at all of the elements of these women, I believe it presents a complete government system. If we look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, it says there will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. The government of God the Father cannot be touched by anyone, not even Satan himself. As you know, he tried many times and probably is going to be continuing to do so. The earth is about to be governed by God himself, just as he has governed the eternity. The crown with the twelve stars is an aged symbol of royalty, and the twelve stars are, obviously, a significant statement of the twelve tribes, as, by the way, was in Joseph's dream. It also parallels directly with the twelve disciples of Christ. To be precise about the number 12, it denotes the administrative rule of God's domain through the hands of chosen and ordained men. Now in verse 2 we discover that the woman is with child, in pain, and about to deliver. The expectant mother, of course, is Israel. And the man-child, the satanic realm, is ready to destroy is none other than Jesus Christ. He is to rule all nations with an iron rod. We, the church, his bride, will reign with him, but he will be the king of kings and the lord of lords at this point in the prophecy. He will rule with an iron rod, and we will reign with him as he sits on the throne of David, the exact place of the Holy of Holies. Now, as you know, That presently is the place of the Dome of the Rock, which must be desecrated. From the deception of the garden to the cross itself, Satan has been attempting to stop the seed of the woman from being the one to bring forth life. But as most Christians know, he fails again. Christ, our groom, will personally put Satan into the lake of fire where he will be torched by his own deception forever and ever. Let's take a look at our critical note for this week. I plead with you to ignore those theologians who believe the woman is the bride of Christ. These findings are simply illogical and unfounded biblically. God is the Father, Israel is the woman of God, Christ Jesus is the man-child, and the church is the bride of the man-child. 
This is logical, biblical, culturally correct in the original Hebrew culture. It tells us in Revelation chapter 12 verse 5 it says, And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. The man-child is Jesus. Once you accept the fact that this man-child is Jesus, and then all the misunderstandings seem childish. Remember how the disciples thought Jesus was going to rule all nations with an iron fist? And how he disappointed them by consistently being manipulated and abused by these governing authorities. That is because the Revelation man-child is a man, and he will lead the nations, and it will only happen at the perfect spot in God's timeline. This verse communicates how Christ will soon rule eternity with his bride at his side from the Holy of Holies seat in Jerusalem, the throne of David. And as we said in our last lesson, that will be the third temple. Here's what we need to remember. God is addressing us regarding the blessed details of earth and Israel. The church, bride of Christ, is already with Jesus by this time. Remembering we were raptured out this particular phase of revelation, Israel is still on the earth. And the Antichrist, the false messiah, is in full power. During the last three and a half years of the tribulation, believe me, all hell is going to break loose. In conclusion, what we begin to unfold in this chapter is what is predestined in Revelation 13.1. The strange-looking seven-crowned heads of the dragon refer to the powers of earthly dominion or territories. The ten horns upon these heads are classically believed to be the ten kings who will rule over the ten kingdoms of the seven territories, his final empire. Yes, I believe that in the end the world will be divided into seven primary territories, most likely the seven continents that presently exist. Coming up next in number 45, we're going to be talking about the personage of Satan. We will be learning detailed information regarding Satan himself and his seven continents. By most standards, there are seven continents. That'd be Africa, Antarctica, Asia, Australia, Europe, North America, and South America. It is believed that the boundaries of countries will be removed by this date. In place in God's eternal timeline, he, Satan, will most likely place a king in charge of each of the continents. He will then use his unseen force to manipulate these domains. It would be wise for you to watch the political activity within each of these continents who is attempting to take charge of the entire continent. The United Nations has had this plan for many years to dissolve those little dotted lines around each country. 
to group them all together into one single continent rule, then placing one leader slash chancellor over each of the continents. This is not just a biblical prophecy being stated here in the book of Revelation. It is a proactive plan that's being discussed and worked on in the United Nations to this very hour. Soon you should be hearing more and more about border issues. Because this plan is well on its way. Again, thank you for joining us. We look forward to reconnecting with you in our next message. Until next time.